0: Welcome to Bitcoin ETC, your monthly pass to eToro's crypto spotlight, where we delve into the realm of prominent and well-rooted crypto trends that truly matter. I'm Anthony Pompliana, also known as Pomp, alongside Will Clemente, my partner at Reflexivity Research, and we're here to ensure you stay ahead of what truly counts. So buckle up and let's go. All right guys, bang bang. I've got Will here with me. Uh Will, one day of ETF trading down, what are some of your reactions? Yeah, first of all, uh
1: happy ETF day to to those who celebrate, you know, regardless of uh kind of the short-term price action yesterday. Uh this momentous moment for the industry and uh you know, I think there's a, a ton of different positive impacts over the medium and long term for for Bitcoin and um kind of the the legitimacy as an asset class. Everything from kind of the you know, legitimacy as an institutional asset um, and kind of you know drawdown of of uh you know career risk that was previously associated with allocating to Bitcoin, uh, the ease of access to the asset, of course, which is arguably the biggest one, uh, as well as you know the eventual kind of inclusion of of Bitcoin in in numerous you know portfolio construction uh, across numerous uh, financial organizations. So uh, you know I don't think uh, you know this this uh, moment should be taken lightly, and you know, it's something that I think will continue to benefit the asset class over the coming years. What did you think?
0: Um, I think uh, I was not surprised by the media coverage. Obviously, you know, they think it's as big of a deal as people in the industry do. Um, I was very surprised that so many financial organizations decided not to offer it. Uh, Vanguard being the largest, they've got over $7 trillion of assets um, to, you know, my initial reaction was like, how arrogant to believe that, uh, you know, better than your clients. And, what you're essentially saying is we are not going to let our clients access the best performing asset of the last 15 years, which kind of seems pretty stupid, but yet you still will let them buy penny stocks, you know, levered inverse ETFs, uh, tons of currencies that have uh, eroded objectively their wealth over the last you know few years, and so to hide behind you know this is not conducive to our like investment philosophy. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff you probably should start removing. Uh, before you consider not allowing Bitcoin to be traded. So I think that was probably maybe the biggest surprise. Um, And then I'd say kind of as like a a 1A to that maybe, is I got a number of messages from people who said that their financial advisor didn't even know that the ETFs got approved, right? And so it just reminds you like how much of an echo chamber we are in and how much work it's going to take to be able to go and uh, really educate these people to allocate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really liked uh, Bitwise's of a financial advisor survey that they put out at two or three days before the ETF went live, uh, and they basically said that it was under fifty percent of all financial advisors expected uh, the ETF to uh, even get approved. And then of that same basket, eighty-eight percent would allocate to Bitcoin if it did get approved. So, and I think that's another statistic to just kind of you know further your point of although you know I think we kind of get caught up in this echo chamber uh, within the, the Bitcoin and, and crypto community. Uh, there's a ton of people out there that. Don't even know that maybe this, this took place. So, um, you know, I think it may take a few months for, for <laughs> that to kind of spread throughout, uh, you know, the entire financial advisor space. But I will say, uh, you know, if you have a financial advisor that doesn't know what Bitcoin is after BlackRock, Fidelity, etc., I uh, just listed ETFs to, to be able to uh, get access to it. You might want to uh, question your counterparty a bit.
0: <laughs> um, another thing about Bitwise, and, and I'm biased, I'm heavily biased because I'm a early investor in Bitwise, but um, they seem to, at least based on the data we have so far, be the winner of the inflow battle. So they have 237 million dollars of inflows uh, into their fund, uh, which was quickly followed. The next best fund uh, had 227 million, um, and then BlackRock had about 111 million dollars. And what that really tells me is, you know, Bitwise is an interesting company that uh, they have spent the last six or seven years going advisor by advisor, holding events, really laying the groundwork, educating people, building relationships. Kind of, you know, it's like the 10-year uh, overnight success. And so when it came time to uh, you know offer this product, there's a lot of people who they built up trust with. And so I don't think going into this, many people were like, oh, Fidelity and BlackRock are going to have less inflows than uh, Bitwise. But here we stand you know, based on the data after the first day, and it looks like Bitwise is a really big winner. Um, and I think it also uh, should be noted they also have the lowest fees, and that's probably a big piece of it as well. Is that you have low fees? You've got trust built up, and that leads to you know day one pretty uh, strong inflows.
1: Yeah, let's let's get into these fees, and then uh, we can also touch on the volume in addition to uh, the actual inflows. So if we we put out a chart recently from Reflexivity, um, should have been sent out in the weekly update as well as it's on our Twitter. Um, if you kind of go down the list, we've got Grayscale at number one at uh, 150 bips. Uh, Hashtags is number two at 90 bips. Valkyrie number three at 80 bips. Uh, then Invesco at 59, uh Wisdom Tree at 50, Fidelity. Uh, this is a bit outdated as a 39, but I believe they dropped it um lower towards where uh Ark and, and Vanek and, and Bitwise are as well. A uh, BlackRock at 30 bips, ARK at 25 bips, uh Van at 25, Franklin Templeton at 29, and then as you just mentioned, uh Bitwise at 24. So you know it's interesting to see. Uh, Grayscale set their fees so high as, you know, they had a ton of, you could think of it similar to, you know, seed capital of, of assets that were already locked in, uh, the Grayscale trust. And so, um, I presume that they probably raised the fee to kind of try to, you know, lock people into not wanting to, to rotate out into some of the other offerings. Uh, but that was a pretty interesting move by them. And just in general, um, you know, seeing how low fees came in across the board, especially from guys like, uh, you know, Art Fanac, Bitwise and and BlackRock. You know, I guess the the strategy here is basically to initially, uh, have the fees as low as possible to just garner as much, uh, you know, market share as you can. And then you can monetize that heavily on the back end, you know, after you've captured kind of the liquidity effect and, and, and volume that, uh, kind of begets more volume and liquidity that begets more liquidity, um, that's associated with, with, uh, you know, these kind of initial launches. So. Um, that was that was one interesting thing that that I found, and then the other piece was, um, was they did four point six billion dollars across the board with all the uh, all the different ETFs uh, out of everyone that I just listed. I think of that, Grayscale was about two billion. So um, it seems like the first day there wasn't a ton of inflows. All you know, the other, there's a there's a non-zero amount, uh, but it seems like a lot of that that four point six billion of it, two billion, was from Grayscale. Seems to be people maybe. Uh, you know, pulling assets out of, uh, GBTC that were perhaps basically locked into GBTC, uh, for the last few years, especially with that very, uh, heavy discount that took place because of the dislocation of, of the previous, uh, trust structure and also people perhaps kind of rotating into, uh, other, other, uh, options as well.
0: Yeah, I like the uh, tweet from Eric Balchunas over at Bloomberg. He uh, posted this graphic that the Bloomberg Intelligence team put together, uh, and it has volume of shares, notional traded, and number of trades. And what it shows is that uh, the Spot Bitcoin ETF really held its own right? And, and he said, especially a number of trades and shares. And then even notionally, they still got a respectable slice of the pie. And so I think that, um, you know, this is an asset that uh, is probably going to continue to uh, get interest from the financial world. Um, it, I don't think anyone is saying, hey, it's going to go replace the S&P or, you know, the Nasdaq 100 or anything like that. But I do think that there is a huge opportunity to continue to push forward um, inflows. And so, you know, if we're at let's call it two to four billion dollars after day one, that would smash every ETF record. My guess is that we will continue to beat ETF records in the first thirty days, um, and then from there, just naturally, you know, inflows will will kind of subside, and, and we'll see where this thing ends up. But if in the first twelve months, let's say we got to you know ten to twenty billion dollars in assets in these ETFs, I think people would say, "Wow, that was a really big win and, and quite uh, an interesting launch for you know it was a highly anticipated product."
1: Yeah, hundred percent and i think the real exciting thing to me you know there's always going to be a ton of volatility and kind of over extrapolation of activity within the first you know week or two after launch call it um but what's really interesting for me is okay you know what do we start to see flows looking like six to nine months out um because i think at that point then you'll start to have um you know the the integration of bitcoin and these etfs as a way to get exposure to bitcoin uh into portfolio portfolio construction and, and most importantly um, the ability for Bitcoin to start to benefit from passive flows. Um, so passive flows, you know, think of pensions, et cetera, that basically uh are similar to how people like to talk about DCA in in, in crypto, um are basically DCAing uh their, their clients' assets into indices uh, you know, every single day, nonstop. Uh and so there's this basically, you know, perpetual uh un- you know kind of underlying bid. Um, for indices and and basically as part of why people always like to joke about markets are structurally designed to, to go up only in in addition to monetary debasement. Passive flows are one of the biggest things that, uh, that, that drive that meme. Um, and that really came about in the eighties with, with the, uh, you know, rise of uh, indexation of, of, of equities. And so, um, you know, I think there's a very high chance that Bitcoin now, even if it's called a percent or two, uh, is a greater than, you know, previously zero um makeup of of some of these uh you know passive flows that uh may benefit the asset for the first time. You know, we have people that are kind of you know DCAing a very small amount perhaps uh into Bitcoin, but you know, this is not any type of material flow that would really, you know, drive the asset over the long term. And so um, uh, you know, what do these passive flows potentially mean? Uh I think it just means kind of, you know, dampened volatility. Um and then we also have things like grayscale just filed uh for derivatives on their ETF. Um so you know you could do things like uh sell uncovered sell calls. Uh so you know I would expect that um this kind of new regime for the asset, maybe perhaps moving away from, you know, Bitcoin being uh dominated by kind of the degen trader crowd to, you know, a bit more sophisticated institutional uh trader type of crowd. Um uh, I think that probably translates to uh lower volatility on the up and downside uh for BTC, but especially on the downside.
0: What do you think about uh, Larry Fink's comments today? Uh, this morning, he was on television and he basically said, hey, Bitcoin is an asset that can protect you uh, in times of chaos. I thought that was like pretty positive. Um, and then he also said that he believes that a Ethereum ETF is uh, something that should happen in the United States as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. First of all, it's great to see um, the uh, head of the largest asset manager on the planet shilling our bags. Uh, it's always fun. Um, I think, you know, in regards to Bitcoin, you know, he's been on live TV a couple of times now at this point and, you know, basically spoke positively about it, you know, calling it digital gold, et cetera. Um, so I think it's been pretty clear his, his stance on Bitcoin. Uh, I actually think the, uh, the Ethereum piece was probably the more interesting one, just, you know, in terms of new information. Um, this is something that we highlighted in prior weekly updates and something I've talked about on Twitter. Um, you know, after the kind of Bitcoin, uh, ETF approval. It made sense that, you know, maybe the market kind of shifted focus to ETH, just given, uh, you know, where ETH BTC has been trading and, and kind of, uh, how much ETH has been kind of lagging Bitcoin, um, you know, over the last three to six months, because ETH really hasn't had any type of shelling point for the market to kind of, uh, rally around. And so, um, you know, I think it's interesting to, uh, to see now the market, you know, at least the way the market's been trading since the Bitcoin ETF getting, getting approved. Uh, we've seen ETH BTC. So basically meaning, you know, ETH has outperformed Bitcoin since. Uh, and then this morning, you know, Larry Fink coming out and, and speaking positively about ETH and saying that uh, there's a good likelihood that, uh, they'll, they'll try to push for an Ethereum ETF. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a legal expert, but, you know, based on the, uh, grounds that they approved the Bitcoin, uh, spot ETFs on, which was basically that, um, uh, you know, the, the SEC approved Bitcoin futures ETFs, Grayscale took them to court one. Uh, so shout out to Grayscale, um, for that. Um, I think you have a similar, you know, kind of dynamic with, with, uh, the ETH side. So, you know, they've proved Ethereum futures ETFs. And so under the same grounds, um, you know, I, th- I think it makes sense that you could apply the kind of same reasoning, uh, to, you know, ETH spot in the same way that, uh, the Bitcoin futures and, and Bitcoin spot argument was made. Uh, so I think that's, that's one interesting thing that I'll continue to watch. And so far the, the market and the way it's been trading since, uh, the Bitcoin ETF got approved, it seems like that's been, uh, kind of top of its mind as well.
0: And when you think of the ETH price going up, Bitcoin's price going down post ETF start trading, is that really all it is? Is just people are rotating and, and trying to speculate on the next thing already?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of the uh, kind of trader crowd um, that just likes to try to time rotations and stuff. You know, I think most people should probably just uh, hold Bitcoin and then what other, whatever other assets that they like, uh, you know, in cold storage and, and just not touch them, but. Um, you know, I think for the kind of trader crowd or the hot ball of money in the space, that's, that's really what's kind of driving this, this move. Um, so you saw ETH BTC basically being absolutely hammered over the last six to nine months, traded all the way back down to, uh, the lows from, from May of 2022. Uh, and then, you know, basically what happened was we had that fake SEC headline that came out, uh, the the fake tweet that came out. Um, and so we saw very briefly after that, before Gary Gensler tweeted that it was fake. Um, we saw ETH BTC get bid up pretty hard. So we saw a little bit of a jump and I kind of tweeted out, okay, is, is this the market quote unquote sh- uh, showing its hand? Basically, like, um, in the same way that Bitcoin reacted to the fake Cointelegraph, uh, Bitcoin, uh, ETF approval headline and, you know, basically showed that the market was underweight BTC and hadn't priced in the ETF fully. This is, we were trading like low forties or something. I think it was a similar dynamic with this, um, where, you know, you basically, uh, had this kind of fake out of of uh, you know obviously it was a fake uh, headline of, of of the approval for the Bitcoin ETF, but the market basically revealed uh, how people were were going to you know position uh, upon an actual approval, uh, and so you know we we've seen kind of follow up of that after the actual approval, and uh, that's just one interesting thing on kind of a short to medium time horizon that uh, I'll be watching as a trader.
0: I think that uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, one last thing I, I figure we should talk about is. Uh... Now that the ETF is out there, we're going to see tons of marketing from these ETF providers. My guess is a hundred million dollars or so is going to go into uh, commercials, um you know billboards, everything. Does this change the narrative in your opinion? Like will people now be like, well, you know there's an ETF so uh, it is a legitimate asset, or do you think that the people who kind of had dug their heels in they're still going to have their deals uh, their heels dug in, and it's not really going to make that big of a dent in terms of the the detractors or the critics?
1: Yeah, I think it was one thing when we had Steph Curry and Tom Brady putting on laser eyes. I think it was another thing when we've got Frankl- Franklin Templeton as a $1.5 trillion asset manager putting laser eyes on, on their Twitter profile picture. So, um yes, I think they'll probably always be that group of people that has their heels dug in and just, you know, won't, won't allocate to BTC no matter what, because of whatever reasons that they've they've already kind of, you know, predetermined. Um, but, you know, I, I think... uh I expect that a lot of this marketing will be pretty effective. And I would actually argue that it's probably going to be more effective on the institutional crowd than than retail, maybe. You know, I, I don't know if um, retail maybe even knows who Franklin Templeton is or any of these asset managers outside of maybe BlackRock and Fidelity. Um, but, you know, I think for uh, some of these financial advisors, et cetera, you know, seeing those types of names that they're very familiar with, uh, perhaps will kind of change their, their frame of thinking. What was your favorite uh, Bitcoin ETF commercial so far?
0: I don't have a favorite yet. I think the best are yet to come. Mm-hmm. My, my guess is that uh, there's going to be a significant Super Bowl ad. That's the one that I think will because it'll have everyone's attention. Somebody'll put you know three five million dollars, whatever, into production. It costs another you know five million dollars to run it. Um, so it'll be a pretty big uh, effort. Who does it? I'm not sure, but somebody is likely to be the one to uh, to pull the trigger. And we're only a couple of weeks away.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: I know uh, Coinbase did the
1: one last year. Well, in addition to FTX, of course, but we will talk about that. Um, <laughs> I know uh, Coinbase did one last year, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, maybe they partner up with a couple of the different issuers that are using them as a custodian and do kind of like a, a group commercial, but we'll see what happens.
0: Absolutely. Where can we send people to find more about Reflexivity Research or find you on the internet?
1: Sure. Be sure to check us out at reflexivityresearch.com. We, of course, also do a weekly uh, update series with eToro that gets sent out to their user base. Uh, You can find me at W on Twitter.
0: Awesome. I always enjoy talking. We'll do it again soon. Likewise. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com.